Good morning. It feels a bit awkward, though, to be introduced in my home church. <laughs> Actually, I do owe this church a debt of gratitude. Uh, about a decade ago, Ada and I moved from Scotland, Edinburgh, uh, for my teaching position at Bethel University. Uh, after arriving in Minnesota, since neither of us had any uh, family members in the U.S. or in Minnesota, it was very difficult for us to settle in. But shortly after joining Five Oaks, we discovered that the graciousness of the members of this church helped to ease our worries. I'm not promising, though, that I have mastered Minnesota culture. I think it would take me a few more years uh, to do that. And of course, if we include snow, uh, then I don't think I'm ever going to get used to it. <laughs> you know, several years ago, uh, when I was at Wheaton College, uh, that was the very first time in 2001 when I saw snow for the first time. Uh, I grew up in Nigeria, and I remember as a pastor's son, I remember that passage in Isaiah, though our sins might be red as scarlet, but I can wash it to become as white as snow. I remember the very first time I saw snow, like, wow, so that's what it looks like. <laughs> uh, I remember calling my mom and said, you know what, I have seen snow for the first time. Thank you, though. Thank you. Ada and I are very grateful uh, for the opportunity uh, to be part of this family, uh, the Five Oaks family. It is also an honor uh, for Pastor Henry to invite me to share my reflections on the book of Romans. I am not a preacher, I'm a professor, so please be patient with me. I do hope, though, that my reflections today on the book of Romans chapter 1 will bring us encouragement and also insights into what the Apostle Paul tells us about the very nature of Christian gospel. The title of my reflection this morning is The Face of the Gospel the face of the gospel. Would you like to join me by opening your Bibles to Romans chapter 1? Uh, if you do not have a Bible with you, uh, there are some Bibles in the seat rack in front of you, and what we are looking for is page 1126. Uh, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, uh, we are looking for the NIV translation. Romans chapter 1, 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation for anyone who believes. First, to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. In this very passage, uh, which is really the summary statement or the theme of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul tells us a lot of things about the very nature of the Christian gospel. And so it will be very helpful to start my reflection by looking at the nature of the gospel. In my study of the writings of the Apostle Paul, 
I have discerned a pattern of thinking, a movement from the question, what is the gospel to who is the gospel? You know, it is very common for us to think of the gospel as a thing, as a story that we share. That's fine, that's correct. If we're only looking at uh, the gospel in terms of the dictionary definition of it. However, I find the question, what is the gospel, a bit misleading. Because it might make me to think of the gospel as just a thing, as a story. The Apostle Paul had a nuanced understanding of the gospel. He understood the gospel not just as a thing, but as an embodiment. In other words, the gospel has a bodily form. Jesus is the gospel. Therefore, I found it very helpful to ask, as a Christian and as a Christian theologian, who is the Christian gospel? And if I follow the Apostle Paul, my answer is, Jesus is the gospel. You know, from the very early beginnings, uh, followers of Christ have given him different titles and names as a way of sharing their understanding of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for them. Some called him the Christ or the Messiah. Because they believed that it was really a way of understanding the Jewish expectations of the coming Messiah. Others called him Lord. Some called him the Prince of Peace. What a beautiful title, especially in a world in which we live. Now, none of these titles on its own has the capacity to tell us everything we need to know about who Jesus is. But what we do need, though, is the insights that each of these titles offer us. In other words, we need each of these titles to see how wide, how deep, how long. In short, the magnitude of the person and work of Jesus Christ. I believe, though, that the gospel is an appropriate title for Jesus. He is the goodness. He is God's goodness to the world. Jesus was not simply a messenger who delivered his goodness. He embodied it. He is the face of the Christian gospel. And Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 1, 2 to 6. And when I use the word face, I'm using it in the sense of a representation by embodiment. In other words, for example, if I say that someone is the face of five oaks, what I have in mind is that that person lives out concretely the vision, the teaching, the mission of our church. Jesus embodies this goodness. God's gospel. I recall several years ago uh, in Galilee, of course, um, in Nazareth. And we were, I took some students there, and we decided to do a boat ride. Uh, The bad news is, I don't know how to swim. 
And I remember that very day, it was awful. Uh, the, 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 the lake was very rough, it was very bumpy, and so on and so forth. And people were flying from one end of the boat <laughs> to the other end. And I remember telling my student to calm down. Perhaps we need to have faith to calm the sea. <laughs> I also need to find my life jacket as well. <laughs> <laughs> But Luke tells us a story in Luke, uh, in, in, uh, about Jesus' experience at home uh, in Nazareth. He had gone into a synagogue and asked for the scroll. And when the scroll was brought to him, he opened to what we know today, it was the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And there he read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has set me apart, he has anointed me to proclaim the gospel, the goodness to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the jubilee, the year of the Lord. And of course, the audience of Jesus Christ would have been very surprised. Of course, uh, they would have expected him to say, okay, after reading this passage, what is it that you've got to say? Can you explain it for us? But he did something that the audience was not expecting. He wrote up the scroll, and then he said, in verse 21, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. In other words, I embody this gospel. I am the good news. You are encountering this good news. We do know though from the life and ministry of Jesus Christ that he preached to the poor, those who are spiritually ill and those who were also materially suffering. He liberated people from the bondage of sin. He inspired hope in many who struggled with hopelessness. He is, indeed, the good news. You know, one of the ways in which I test my commitment as a follower of Christ is to ask myself constantly this question. Are you presenting Jesus Christ as the gospel to those who are suffering, to those who are experiencing spiritual illness, and to those who are being oppressed? The benefits that the gospel offers us should outweigh, Paul tells us, the difficulties that we might encounter when we present the gospel. In fact, Paul went out of his way to tell us in the passage that we read today that the gospel withstands embarrassment. We should not, he said, be ashamed of the gospel. What does it mean to be ashamed of the gospel? What does Paul have in mind here? To be ashamed of the gospel is to refuse to give the gospel the freedom to become good news to all people. You know, in our world today, when, when we look around the world, one of the most difficult things that we will Christians experience might not be to have the freedom to preach the gospel, but rather to give the gospel the freedom to become goodness to all people. To be ashamed of the gospel is to attempt to colonize the gospel. 
to try to keep the gospel and its benefits for our own use. To try to think that our own understanding of the gospel should be the only way of understanding the gospel. When we do that, we forget that the gospel always produces a surplus that we overcome, that we overthrow, that we move beyond, that we overflow the boundaries of our church and theologies. In other words, we don't own Jesus Christ. He owns us. We are the beneficiaries of this wonderful news. And as those that have benefited from this good news, Paul tells us that we should also be willing to present Jesus, to point people to, to lead people to Jesus Christ, who is this good news. We do know, though, that it is very tempting to be ashamed of the gospel. It's very tempting to try to colonize the gospel. It is very tempting to try to think of the gospel as what we think it is, without allowing the gospel to critique us, without allowing the gospel to redirect us. As I look around the world, I see different reasons why perhaps we might be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel. You know, we live at a time in the world when a lot of people, especially in the western part of the world, when a lot of people think that Christianity is outdated. And some of the things that Jesus Christ taught are irrelevant to the needs of today. It's tempting to be ashamed of it. When I look outside, say, of the West and go back to Sub-Saharan Africa, say, Nigeria, Ghana, and so on and so forth, I might be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because I see a lot of people use the name of Christ in vain. And what I have in mind here is to use the name of Jesus Christ to enrich themselves or to impoverish others, to demonize those who disagree with them. It is tempting to be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, though, that none of these things should make us to be ashamed of the gospel. Because he believes that the benefits of the gospel outweigh the difficulties that we will encounter as we attempt to lead people to Christ. Paul gave us three reasons why we should not be ashamed of the gospel, and I'm going to spend the rest of my time uh, this morning uh, reflecting on these three reasons. The first reason we find in verse 16. Paul says that we should not be ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the expression of God's salvation. 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. You know, the Bible uses a lot of metaphors to describe salvation. We find words such as justification, sanctification, redemption. 
forgiveness. My favorite, though, is healing. In 1 Peter and in Isaiah, we are told that by his stripes, we are healed. In other words, that the pain and suffering and the life of Jesus Christ set us free from the power and bondage of sin and also reconcile us to God. This metaphor of healing reminds me then that sin is a spiritual disease. The gospel is the cure. Sin is a rejection of God as the one who is the ultimate cure of spiritual disease, what we call sin. When we look at the Bible and also look at our own time, look at our communities, look at our places of work, we also see that sin is a dangerous spiritual disease that metastasizes into different forms. Such as bullying, terrorism, hatred, greed, exploitation, racism, and all forms of oppression. In a way, the point of my reflection this morning is how can Christians lead people who are suffering from these spiritual diseases to the gospel, Jesus, who is the cure? That's the point. How can we, those who are beneficiaries of this goodness, lead people who are suffering from this disease to Jesus, who is the gospel? The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us. In other words, Christians are not supposed to be spectators. We sit back and allow God to do all the work. We are called to be active agents, the people who lead others who are suffering from spiritual disease back to Christ, who is the cure. We are called as Christians to participate, to get involved, to get our hands and feet dirty. In the sense of leading people who are suffering any of the spiritual disease that we can identify back to Christ, whose righteousness makes us whole. The second reason the Apostle Paul gave why we should not be ashamed of the gospel, why we should not give in to the temptation to be embarrassed about the gospel is because the gospel is an expression of God's uprightness. And we say this in verse 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. You know, the word righteousness that the Apostle Paul uses here really refers to God's uprightness. 
by choosing not to abandon us, not to discard us because of our sin, but to commit to heal us, God displays God's uprightness. In other words, God in God's being is upright and also acts justly towards us. But of course, it is important to remind ourselves that the righteousness, the justice that the Apostle Paul speaks of here is not retributive justice. It is not the kind of justice that should make us be terrified, that God is waiting for us to make a mistake so that God can discard us. No. Time and time and time again, the Bible reminds us that God's justice is restorative. In other words, God does not discard us when we sin or because we have sinned. Rather, God is committed to make us spiritually healthy again. That is why Jesus is the good news. That is why the life and suffering of Jesus Christ set us free from the power of sin. Jesus devoted the entirety of his life to show us, to point us back to this righteousness of God, this restorative justice. He conveys it to us by pointing us back to God, back to the very source of our healing. His righteousness, Paul tells us, makes it possible for us to be spiritually healthy again, for us to be reconciled back to God, for us to have fellowship with God. No wonder why the Apostle Paul says, he is, Jesus is, God's salvation is a gift. In other words, we are not declared righteous or upright because of what we have accomplished, but rather because of the righteousness of Christ. Jesus is the embodiment of this righteousness. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who makes us spiritually healthy again. The third reason why the Apostle Paul encourages us not to be ashamed of the gospel, not to give in to the temptation to be ashamed of the gospel. And it's important here to remember Paul. He had a lot of reasons to be ashamed of the gospel. He was put in prison a lot of times. When he was not in a physical jail, he was in a house arrest. Read the book of Philippians, and you can see Paul's struggles. He recognizes that, that it is not easy. So he's not asking us to do something he thought was easy. He invites us to recognize the difficulties, but then reminds us that none of these difficulties should outweigh the benefits. And so the third reason is that the gospel refocuses our attention on God, who is the source of our healing. The faith that the Apostle Paul talks about here shatters and penetrates all human certainties. In other words, it draws our attentions away from the temptation to try to solve our spiritual disease ourselves. To try to think that we are the solution to spiritual disease. 
to rely on our own strength. The gospel refocuses our attention on Christ. Remember when somebody asked Jesus Christ, is it really possible for anyone to follow you? Of course, with man it's impossible, but with God it is possible. Because God is the source of it. The Apostle Paul also is the one who reminds us that it is not easy to refocus our attention on Christ, who is our solution. But then he tells us, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. To have faith, to live by faith, in verse 17, is to say yes to God's faithfulness. To have faith is to say yes to God's faithfulness, to God's righteousness that Jesus Christ embodies. How can we say yes to God's faithfulness, to God's righteousness? It is to learn to constantly return to Christ who is the source of our healing. It is to learn to rely on God who is the source of our healing. It is to learn that Jesus Christ is the gospel, is the goodness, is the one who embodies this righteousness. It is to borrow the language of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. Our faith then is made possible not because of our strength, but rather because of the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God reminds me that God is committed. God does not give up on me. God does not discard me when I sin. But God is committed to make me healthy again. And therefore, the righteousness of God should not terrify me, but should comfort me. Should make me to learn to run towards God when I sin to run to Christ who embodies this healing. In Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of God's gospel to the world, we are truly healed. This is great news. He is the good news. He is our goodness. My prayer though, to you as my fellow members of Fine Folks, or our visitors, is that we can learn to always see Jesus Christ as the gospel, as the one who embodies this righteousness that heals us. 
I also pray that we will not give in to the temptation to be embarrassed of the gospel. To say, oh no, the difficulties are too many. I got to give up. To be reminded that the righteousness of God, that these gospels, the benefits of these gospels outweigh the difficulties that we are going to encounter. I also pray that we will always remember that we are not just mere spectators, but that we are called to be active agents, those who participate in God's ongoing work of healing that we will learn to discern our fellow members of this church and our friends who might be suffering from any kind of spiritual disease to help them to return to Christ, who is the source of our healing. Let us pray.